You're listening to Man Meat Barbecue, the podcast, with your host, Mikey K. Our sponsors are Manbecue and Myron Mix and Smokers. If you don't know who Manbecue is, you better check it out. They're one of the coolest things in barbecue around. We do a meetup on the last Thursday of every single month. Let us take over your backyard. Let's see how much fun we can have. Looking for a new cooker? Look no further than the American-made Myron Mix and Smokers. Maybe you're a backyard enthusiast. Maybe you're a restaurant owner. Maybe you're looking to get into the catering game. They can accommodate it all. So make sure you go over to MyronMixAndSmokers.com and check out your next rig. And when you email them, tell them Mikey from Man Meat Barbecue sent you. So let's not waste any more time and let's get into this fucking podcast. With the Kick-Ass Grill team, uh, KickAssGrills.com, uh, to... For all of you listeners out there in the in the world, you guys can go check it out. Uh, they are an e-commerce site, so we will be talking a little bit about purchasing some stuff, talking about um, cool accessories, stuff that you guys offer, um, all that kind of fun stuff. If you want to check them out on Instagram, it's kickassgrills, all one word, no spaces, make your life easy, uh, kickassgrills.com, like I said. Uh, they're, they're United States-based, they're out of Iowa, which is super cool, um, I love I love people that are close close to home. You know what I mean. That's the best. That's the best feeling. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, guys, um, and hanging out with us. So if you can do us a favor, introduce yourselves and let let's have some good fun barbecue chat. Perfect. Thanks, Mikey. This is Adam Kaler, and I've got Adam Celine in the room as well. We're uh, we are the, the the dynamic duo here at Kickass Grills with with the name Adam, and so we we. Uh, Again, coming from kickassgrills.com, we are a, an online retailer based out of eastern Iowa, Go Hawks, and we have um, basically a, a, uh, an online platform that allows us to sell premium uh, grilling products across the country and even international. Uh, I'll let Adam talk about you know, some of his background and everything, but we are an e-commerce platform. Uh, we do represent about 25 different brands on the Kickass Grills uh, domain, uh, ranging from everything from Napoleon to Blaze, Fire Magic, uh, Twin Eagles. We've recently brought on Heston. Um, Adam will talk a little bit about some some grilling and, and uh, indoor outdoor kitchen accessories, such as sous vide cooking, uh, where we get into some immersion circulating. Uh, we've got uh, obviously all the grilling accessories, from covers to uh, to rotisserie kits, smoker tubes, all kinds of things like that too. So come on over to, to kickassgrills.com. And uh, to take that one step further, I've got a promo code available for all the all the listeners today. It's manmeat10, so M-A-N-M-E-A-T-1-0, and that will be available uh, for a little while after the after the uh, launch of the podcast. Sounds fantastic, guys. We want to say thank you so much for helping all of our listeners out that way. Uh, you guys have a super cool site. The one thing I want to say that it, that is really nice about it, guys, it's really, really easy to navigate. Um, I think that's one of the biggest pet peeves and one of the biggest annoying things when you get on a site and you're like, why can't I find what I want to find? Your guys' <laughs> site is super easy to navigate, which is fantastic. Cool. Thanks. Appreciate that feedback. Yeah, we've... Uh... So, I mean, just talked a little bit about the, the history behind Kick-Ass Grills and kind of where it's incepted. We, 
you know, we didn't want to be just your, you know, grills.com store. We wanted to be somewhere where it's a destination. We wanted it to obviously uh, be kick-ass, so we're selling kick-ass products. Uh, nobody wants to buy a grill from, from you know, uh, a big box store anymore as far as we're concerned. Uh, if you're really, truly a grilling enthusiast or a cooking enthusiast, you know, you want to be able to pick up the phone, ask some, ask some, you know, uh, some questions to a product expert and, and have a conversation like what we're going to have today, too. So um, Adam's got some some uh, he's a trained chef, so he's got a lot of experience uh, working in a kitchen. Uh, and then obviously he finds this as a passion as well. So I'm extremely excited to be uh, alongside Adam and learning and obviously tasting his foods because he uh, he cooks for all the uh, the team members here at kickassgirls.com as well. Awesome. Let's get Adam on here. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm I'm Adam uh, Shaleen. Um, sometimes I'm referred to as Chef Adam, but uh, yeah, my background, um, I graduated from the University of Iowa and uh wasn't quite ready, quite ready for a real job. So uh, I always loved cooking. Always wanted to get into that uh, industry, and, and so I, I became a, a prep chef at a fine dining restaurant. Um, kind of worked my way up to about uh, sous chef uh, by the time I left. Um, it was a period of about maybe two, two and a half years that I, I worked there. Um, just trying to learn anything and everything. Again, it, it was a eclectic new American. Um, so very kind of fanciful, uh, well-plated foods, but, um, we made everything from scratch and, uh, using that experience, I mean, it, it just taught me so much about cooking in general, but, uh, even going back, a, a, a bit further, um, I grew up just super interested in barbecue. It was the first thing that kind of got me into food in the first place. Um, I used to visit Kansas city all the time. I'm a big chiefs fan and. Unfortunately, the, the Patriots kicked their ass, but um, I used to go there as a kid to, to watch the games, and I was just in love with brisket and uh, pulled pork, ribs, everything, um, but but especially the brisket. So it kind of sucked me in at an early age, uh, something that, um, again, I, I tried to chase this passion, and um, then this uh, opportunity came along here at uh, Kick-Ass Grills, and, and really the the parent company is, is Spotix. Uh, we also have Spotix.com. Um, it was started by some uh, just friends of friends, and, and my college roommate actually uh, brought me in here um, just as, as luck would have it. And it's it's been a good partnership where um, I get to put my college education to use, but I get to put my uh, culinary background to use as well. So what made you guys want to do a grill store like what made like what was the what when you guys were like listen we want to do something we kind of want to do a business blah blah blah, blah. what was like barbecue yeah so um again i, I mentioned spotix the the original kind of outset was more on the hearth side the fireplaces fire pits kind of a thing um then there was kind of a natural transition where we were like well there's a lot of outdoor products uh that kind of go hand in hand in creating kind of like that ultimate patio feel um, and, and again, especially when I came aboard, uh, it was really when, um, we, we expanded the grilling space. Um, it, it really became kind of, um, one of the cooler parts of our job. I mean, we're, 
we always like to say that we're, we're not trying to sell products necessarily. We're trying to sell a lifestyle of barbecue. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure all your listeners and yourself know, like, uh, we were just chatting about how your, your neighbors in your, your old place, uh, loved, loved when you cooked. Um, yeah. and we, we find that the, to be the case too. I mean, uh, we love tailgating at Iowa games and making friends by cooking good food. They're walking by and smelling, smelling what we're cooking, stopping by and, and, uh, just, you know, getting, getting to meet new people that way. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, you can do that at, at big events like tailgates, or you can just do it in your backyard and invite the neighbors and friends and family over. It's, it's just such a family and friend oriented lifestyle that I think as, as, uh, all of us start to, uh, start to get homes and, uh, settle down, so to speak, we, we like to kind of expand out and say, Hey, you know what? Come over and, and I'll feed you all entertain and we'll have a good time in the backyard. Exactly. No, yeah, you are you are a hundred percent correct on that. It's just it it people just love cooking. And I think I think a big part of it is when you enjoy cooking, you enjoy feeding people. And feeding people is what what really drives most of most of the backyard cookers and most of the pro cookers and most people that cook in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's it's certainly an intimate thing to uh, just be able to see somebody's face after you you fed them something um, that they've never had before, or something that they just can't believe that um, you know you've got either the experience or the know how or the technique to uh, to pull something off and just you know make something that's just so delicious and juicy and tender. I mean, um, it's it's one of the things that makes us. Uh, the most American I'd say is barbecue. That is, I think that's very true. You said you worked at a, um, an American restaurant, right? Or American cuisine. And I, I've been kind of campaigning this a little bit now. I think that barbecue is becoming the real American cuisine. I really do. I think, I think when people think of American cuisine now, they're thinking American style barbecue and correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, um, it's funny. I, I mentioned my my college past. I actually wrote a paper on that um, in school about how barbecue is the the true American cuisine. Um, I just don't think you find it the same way anywhere else in the world. There's all kinds of variations on it. Obviously, fire and and meat and and food it goes way back. So it's not like we invented it. But I think in the style that we're talking about with the the ribs and the brisket, the kind of the low end pieces of meat um that that in in the past it was always poor people food um and and i talked about kansas city earlier you know doing a lot of research about how that uh became kind of a barbecue capital so to speak is is all about the cattle industry you know they they shipped out all the cattle to the rest of the country um and what was left behind is is those tough cuts the the briskets and the ribs and the the shoulders but what do you say if if you look at it, wouldn't you say most French cuisine comes from peasant French dishes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I think that is, I mean, that, I think that's what makes it so special. Uh, you can take a filet mignon and and I mean, certainly you can screw it up, but you can make that taste pretty good. It doesn't take a lot of effort, but it takes effort and some some nuance and some skill to to take some ribs or to take a brisket and, and really cook it low and slow and, and get it right. But once you do, um, you know, it, it's just so comforting. Uh, it's, 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 
it's more special when when you get something to work out like that and, and rewarding um, and rewarding for sure for sure um and i just think there's more flavor the the more complex kind of um technique you have to put into it uh brings out different flavors and brings out different textures and and that's what you know we we see in the the burnt ends and the the ribs yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's such a, I mean, it, it's the flavor that you can pack into um, a, a muscle that's not really desirable. You know what I mean? Like you said, the, you get brisket. Brisket's not exactly a muscle that most people want to cook. You know what I mean? Most people don't, they, they look at it, it's big, it's bulky, it's tough. Um, if you don't cook it right, it's fucking shoe leather. Um, yeah. You know, and and then they you you start to you start to manipulate it and you start to put flavor into it, and it becomes one of the best things in the world. Yeah, um, I I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, I would I would argue that for my money, there's there's nothing better than a, a perfectly cooked brisket. It's just uh, the 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 smoke flavor introduced into the fat is just it's something that um, you can't, you can't reproduce that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it feels really good, especially as, as, um, as you want to entertain and you want to cook for a large group of people, it feels really good to go to, you know, the, the local butcher shop or even Costco or something and, and pick up a hefty, uh, piece of meat. That's not going to break the bank. I know, I know brisket prices have certainly increased over the years, but still, I mean, you can, you can go to Costco and get a, a whole packer brisket for, 45 bucks or something like that. And it's prime beef. Um, and, and I mean, certainly you can't just like, you know, do that every weekend, but, but, um, it, it goes a long ways and, and the, and the price is so much more affordable than trying to do the same thing with a, a whole tenderloin or, or something similar, you know? I mean, it, it, you are, you are completely correct. I mean, you look at a whole tenderloin and you're going to be I mean, it's going to give you a lot of food, don't get me wrong, but you're going to be up in the $150 range. And yes, brisket, although the price has gone up and it's gone dramatically up, it, it, it it's still somewhat affordable for the amount of food that you're going to get. Yeah, I know uh, for, for the longest time when we were a, a smaller shop, we had, a, we had difficulty finishing a brisket. Uh, as we've grown through the years, that's, that's not, uh, so much of an issue anymore, but, um, not, not as big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're kind of at the, the nice, uh, middle ground where, where one brisket is enough for the whole team, but not too much. Uh, won't be too long. We're, we're going to need to move into two briskets, but, um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with what you said about the French, um, peasant food and, and how it ties to barbecue. I, I think it's, it's very similar. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, similarities between the two. Well, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, high end French food is is I mean, it's mostly peasant dishes that they've turned into high end French food now, and it, it becomes this like funny thing to me because people are like, well, you know, but that's high end French food. Yeah, but barbecue is becoming high end barbecue. Yeah, it's starting to change. I mean, you start looking at you guys. You guys carry the good one. Um, that cooker isn't a fucking cheap cooker. It's not. Cookers are not cheap. And, or good cookers aren't cheap. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Good cookers are not cheap. And cheap cookers are usually not that great. Right. 
Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think that, that fits into what um, Adam Kaler was saying earlier. Is, um, I think that's kind of the, the background of, of where we got our name from, the Kick-Ass Grills. It's, you can go to a big box store. You can buy yourself a, a $100 grill. You can take it home. And you can cook good food on it. You, you, I certainly don't want to say that you can't. Um, but we want to give, give the customer something that they're going to take home um, they're, they're going to have it last for years and years, and they're going to get something that, that produces consistent results. And when, when you talk about the good one, um, I've been smoking on that since I've been here. And I, I mean, it is just one of the most consistent cookers I've ever, I've ever had the pleasure of cooking on. And, um, we, we cook once a month for, for everybody's birthday. We kind of lump it into one, one celebration day. And I just cooked, uh, two weeks ago in, in a few feet of snow, we just had, um, Gosh, I, it was probably about a foot of snow here just a couple of weeks ago, and it might have been above zero at that point. I think hey. it was slight, but <laughs> those, the, are, the point, those are pluses, I mean, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the the good one. I mean, with with uh, just a little bit of charcoal in there, it was able to keep a consistent temperature right at right at two fifty, and um, whether it's whether it's zero below or whether it's uh, hundred degrees in an Iowa summer, it's it's so consistent and and that makes uh, that makes our job easier uh, cooking it. I've honestly heard nothing but great things about that cooker. I've never had the pleasure of cooking on one, guys. There's a lot of cookers so I've never cooked on all of them. Sorry, some people will be like, <laughs> yeah. you've never cooked on that. Like, why not? You're a barbecue guy, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I just haven't cooked on all of them. I'd love to if somebody would like to pay me to cook on all of them. I'll do it. Um, <laughs> But I have You're not. I cook. Exactly. Someday. Let hey, I'm totally down to come out there. Let's 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 set it up. Let's have some fun. You guys aren't that far away from me. You got where are you guys exactly based in Iowa? Yeah, we're we're in North Liberty, Iowa. So it's about uh, 15 minutes north of Iowa City. So just north of the University of Iowa, and then we're about 15 minutes south of Cedar Rapids. So we're we're kind of right in between both both of those bigger cities here. Awesome. I mean, Iowa City is a fantastic city. I don't ever remember being there, but I've been there numerous times. <laughs> <laughs> it has that effect on people. You know, it's a college town. Yeah. When you go to a yep. college town, you can't be blamed for what happens. I'm sorry. You guys, yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I remember there was one night that we were out there, and it, I think there was one bar that was doing like, they gave you a plastic cup. And if you wrote your name on it, it was $2 beers all night. Oh, yeah. Like, you're not going to leave that night remembering anything. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just it. And, and most of us went to Iowa, so we, we've, we've definitely had our experiences down in Iowa City. So Adam and I don't remember the last four years that we were there. <laughs> exactly. One, one night's okay. <laughs> Uh, it was more than one night, sir. I'll, I'll promise you that. <laughs> but uh, it, it's you guys aren't you guys aren't far, so we should uh, we should figure that out. We should we should make a road trip and, and make it out. Um, I'd love Welcome to come in. out there and, and uh, cook with you guys. Like I said, you you guys are holding good good high end cookers, and that's that's a very very cool thing. And like like you said, the good one it holds temp very very well. I've taken a I've taken a cooking class on a, on a, on on the good one. So technically, I guess we cooked on it, but I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't technically doing everything. You sure. know what I mean? So for me, that's not technically cooking on it. Yeah. So I have to ask, was that uh, Chris Marks coming it, out there? To, it was. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, uh, he was, he was awesome when we got on board with, with the good ones since he reps them. And um, 
he, he certainly let me in on a few of his secrets um, to kind of help hone my skills. Um, so he, he was nothing but helpful, um, and I'm, I'm glad he's, he's kind of retired from the professional barbecue game so he can, he can kind of be out there teaching people like us uh, some, of the, some of the professional secrets. We did, we did, a, we did a really yeah. fun rib class with him. Um, it, was, it was just it was awesome. Had a yeah. great time with him, and um, it was just, you know, it was a lot of fun, and it was a good class. It was a very good class. We did we did ribs. Uh, it was it, the interesting thing was me and a buddy of mine that took it. Uh, we were invited to take it by by the grill store that was there. Um, we were doing an event, you know, two days later. So he was like, "Hey, do you guys want to just come and be a part of this class?" And we were like, "Absolutely! This sounds fantastic." So we did it, and it was a little bit of an entry-level cooking class, so there was a lot of questions that were being asked that we were both sitting there like, okay, mm-hmm, yeah. yep, mm-hmm, did that one, <clears throat> made that mistake, yeah. remember doing <laughs> that, yep, made messed that one up, remember that. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think you're describing most anybody's uh, foray into barbecue is, is you start out, and it's, it's mostly just trial and error. Um, I know the great thing now is, is with YouTube and, and all the resources out there. Um, I mean, people like yourself with your podcast, there's just more information available now and that's great. Do you, uh, are you ever terrified of that? Um, no, <laughs> I mean, at the end, yeah, no, I, I think you still have to put it into practice. So sometimes what, what we talk about, um, and in, in, in some of those resources, uh, it's a little easier said than done, but at the end of the day, like I think that information is best shared uh, because there's no reason you you want to hold that stuff secret. I mean, unless you're really competitive. Oh no, the- I'm not saying hold it secret. <laughs> don't don't get me wrong there. I'm I'm saying sometimes it, there's so much information, and you have to filter through a lot of the bad information sure. to get to something that's actually worth it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it, it comes down to kind of figuring out what uh, what good sources are, right? And and that goes with anything on the internet, right? That's uh, uh, a big issue that that there is is everybody's got a voice, right? Um, but when when you can kind of find finally hone in on on the the people that are trying to do it right, the you know the amazing ribs, the I like the guy at uh, Serious Eats. I know it's not barbecue specific, but he he looks into the science and. Um, there, there's just a lot of sources out there that over the years you, you just find people that um, are putting into practice what they're saying, and it's it's not so much about the 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 feel or the the know-how, the experience or anything like that. It's it's more like, hey, I've tested this on 47 different briskets, and this is the best result. Um, you know, there's not one right way to do anything, but there's I'm not. Gonna, no, you're correct. At least I'll give you my experience. To try and help you, and then from there, it's it's. I mean, like you said earlier about uh, how many different cookers there are out there. If I'm cooking on the good one out there, I'll have a much different experience if somebody's cooking on a charcoal kettle or like a you know the the kettle style grills. Um, and that's so the one. I'm sorry, I've got to cut you off. There. That is the one exception to my rule where cheap cookers aren't good. The Weber kettle is by far one of the cheapest cookers you can purchase, and it is by far one of the best. That is the one uh, exception to the rule. Yeah, no, and it's, especially with charcoal, um, it's, a, it's a great place to start. Um, 
and I even know we don't carry Weber, but uh, their their Summit Series uh, charcoal kettle is, is kind of like an improvement on that. Um, I've heard nothing but great things about that too. It's it's a it's quite a bit more expensive than just the simple kettle, but um, it, it is. It is, but it's it is a way better. It is it's not a way better grill, but it's a fantastic grill. Yeah, right, right, absolutely, and and it's like I was just saying. I mean, everybody's foray into barbecue starts in the same place. You're you're starting from scratch, and you're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And normally, I mean, just like everything else, it's not like you start with the best equipment right away. You have to kind of dip your toe in and, and see how things work, or and and kind of work yourself up from there. If you start out smoking on a good one. Um, you know, hats off to you. That's a great place to start, but uh, you're not going to be able to appreciate just how much different it is than if you start on a on a kettle grill and, and kind of have to work your way through the ideas of of indirect versus direct and, and how to kind of a or balance that line with something that's not truly indirect, but you can kind of fake it um, using different methods. Oh come on! You're telling me that if I don't if I start off with a seven thousand dollar cooker, I'm not going <laughs> to have the same appreciation. I think you're crazy. Uh, Oh, well, you know, I mean, I guess there's something for everybody, right? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's, it's just funny because I know we get that question a lot on the phone. Um, what the hell is, is a $15,000 grill going to do for me that a, a $1,000 grill can't or a $200 grill can't? And um, Last more yeah, than one season? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, the first, that's the first place to start is uh, stainless steel isn't uh, created equally. There's, there's different grades. Um, We're and then probably the, not going to burn through it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then just from there, I mean, it's just, it all comes down to features. I know, uh, I would say on, on our grill store, um, I mean, most, most of our, uh, sales are through gas, um, just because it, it, it's just the easiest and most accepted, um, form of, of outdoor grilling. Um, but certainly the, the charcoal, uh, we, we do quite a bit of, of the Kamados and the smokers as well, but um, most of those higher prices are, are coming in on those gas grills because it's, um, I mean, not to get too sidetracked, but gas is great. I love having gas for when uh, I, I'm going home and I'm in a hurry. I want to get the grill fired up. I need to cook a steak real quick or a hamburger real quick uh, for dinner, but nothing's going to beat the charcoal. Nothing's going to beat the low and slow, but, you know, that's more of a weekend thing. Um so I, I think that's where you see a lot of gas grills trying to mimic charcoal because you you, you can't with gas. Gas doesn't burn the same way charcoal does. Um, so so you're trying to increase kind of the um, really the the weight and the uh, the radiant heat within that gas grill. So that way, when you when you throw a steak on there, you can keep the high temperatures instead of losing it right away. And you just don't have that issue with charcoal. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's where the, the high price comes from from most of our gas grills. Now, I, I'll have to disagree with you on one thing. Uh, I, I cook on charcoal or real wood all week long. Um, and I, I would say, honestly, like you're still going to let your cooker heat up in, you know, for 10 to 15 minutes before you throw anything onto it, don't you? Yeah, I mean, um, I would say, uh, especially with, with some of our grills, uh, like more of the infrared is kind of what I'm thinking about. Okay. Uh, okay. So you're going, you're going a little bit, you're going a lot higher on that one. Okay. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so we're, we're talking like, you know, five minutes to get that thing, uh, rip roaring hot. Uh, um, and so that, that's where I say, I mean, there, there are just some things where it's like, it's kind of nice to have gas. It's just a convenience thing, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but certainly you're, you're not replicating the, the flavor that comes with charcoal. And you never uh, will. I mean, you can't, it's not possible. Right. You can't re- you can, you can come close to it, but you're never going to replicate, replicate real wood flavor. It's just not going to come out of it correctly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like anything else in life, right? Uh, if, if it's worth having, uh, it's, it's usually not easy, right? Otherwise everybody would have it. Exactly. Uh, so it, it takes, it takes the time and the patience and the, and the skill to kind of, to get that, uh, complex charcoal flavor. So you can't rush that and you can't, you can't imitate it as much as, uh, as much as everybody will, will make you think you can. But, um, that's where I say, I mean, I've always, I always tell customers in, in a perfect world, if, if obviously you can afford it, you're getting a gas grill for those times where you need it for the convenience, but then you've got that charcoal grill to do anything that you really want to take the time at and get the flavor right. Yep. I, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, I think that's what draws me so much to Kamado style cookers um, is the versatility of them. Uh, the, the fact that you can, you know, you can grill on them, you can smoke on them, you can bake on them. You can do so much on a Kamado style cooker. Um, it's just, it, it, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it, when you're, when you're thinking about like our, you know, our customer base and, and when you get a, when you get somebody calling in asking questions about smoking or Kamado specifically, the conversation is obviously much more expansive um, and involved, but then there's also all these accessories that, that, you know, they're, they're adding in. Um, whereas a grill, a grill consumer is just, you know, they're looking for something that's going to last a while. They may buy a, they may buy a few, you know, rotisserie kits or something like that, but it, it's a, uh, you know, it really creates that. It's a, it's a fun dynamic conversation uh, when people are calling in about Kamado style or even the Memphis and things like that. I, I think it, I think it just kind of opened, like you said, it opens up that conversation. It makes it, it makes it very, very interesting because you, there are so many more accessories that you can add to it, which I mean, most people, most, most cookers are all about accessories. Like you start to find so many different accessories and you're just like, I want that. I want that. I want that. And then you start to realize I can't afford all that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That that seems to always be the issue, right? Man, I, I want all this stuff, but I can't afford it. What would you, if you guys had to say, what would you guys say are like your top three accessories that most people get? Um, cover first and foremost, um, just, just cause I mean, got to protect that investment, especially when you're dealing in the thousands. But, um, it, I mean, it's, it's the basics, the, the, the toolkits, the spatulas tongs and stuff like that. But I know, I know one of them that we, we sell quite a bit is, is like smoker tubes to try and put your wood chips in, um, to, to put onto a gas grill. So you can at least come close to charcoal flavor. Um, See, I don't ever find that those give me enough smoke flavor. It yeah, almost gives yeah. me a weird smoke, like uh, a weird hint, but not. It doesn't ever do it for me. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you in the in the sense that um, if you put a if you put something smoked side by side, or even something cooked on charcoal um, side by side with something cooked on gas with with a with a wood smoker tube, it's not going to be the same. Um, but it's it's going to give you a kiss of smoke. Uh, smoke. 
Um, so it's, it's kind of there. Uh, the other thing that we sell a lot of is like a, a charcoal um, kind of like basket, so to speak, that you can put onto your gas grill so you can do a little bit of both, more of a, a hybrid style. Okay. Uh, so, so those are pretty popular as well, just so you can avoid exactly what we're talking about. You can actually get some charcoal flavor um, without spending money on both grills. Throwing that in the mix, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then from there, I mean, I, I think it just talks about, like, we always talk about categories. I mean, it, it just talks about the category that you're dealing with. Gas gas consumers are a, di- a different breed than the Kamados, because Kamado accessories, I mean, it's like, like you were just saying, I mean, when you really break it down, if you want to do everything that a Kamado is capable of, because it is such a versatile thing, you really have to end up getting all of the accessories to go with it. Um, and then when you, when you talk about a smoker, when you talk about um, like a, a pellet smoker as well, um, then you're dealing more with the, the thermometers, temperature gauges, stuff like that, that um, help you uh, more so than some of the other things. What would you say is... And this is going to be kind of a weird question, but it just kind of kind of popped into my head, and I think it's kind of an important question. What would you say most consumers go wrong in, like what, like when they're purchasing? What what would you say you're like? Oh God, oh, I know that they're not going to be happy with that. What would you say are like the most common wrong purchases that most consumers make? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, certainly, there could be a lot of answers depending on the customer, but. Um, one thing that I always try to tell people to help kind of clear that up is, um, just think about what you do the most as far as cooking and grilling goes. Um, is it burgers and steaks and hot dogs and simple things, or is it, um, you know, you want to get into the smoking, the briskets and the ribs, or is it some combination in between, um, and, and, and really, like, what, what do you want to accomplish with that grill? And then that way it'll set you up for more of the um, success in the long run if, if we can get you suited, so to speak, with a grill that's going to fit that kind of personality. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with you on that. I think it's it's finding out what that person does. I think sometimes people don't have realistic expectations of what they're actually purchasing. Um and then, like you said, you know, somebody that calls you and they're like, listen, what makes the difference between a $200 grill and a and a $7,000 grill? I think sometimes people buy that $7,000 grill and they think that they're going to become now the best cooker on the block. And you're like, yeah. um, no. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, we, we even have gas grills that uh, have Wi-Fi capability and, and they've got built-in recipes that – try and take all the guesswork out of it. And it's, it's, it, it fits the right customer, but just having that grill isn't going to make you a five-star chef or a, you know, a, a grill master. Yep. Um, it, it still is going to take some effort and some nuance. And I mean, I, I know this from my experience in the kitchen and, and really cooking in general. Um, I think anybody that's ever cooked anything will agree that sometimes things just are different. You know, the temperature in your kitchen's different. The humidity's different. Um, the the ingredients you're using are are fresher or older than the last time you used them. Um, there are just so many variables that can come into play, and so it's it's it still takes some adaptation on the fly. Um, so 
So I know like these grills are set up to try and take some of that guesswork out, but you can never foolproof anything when it comes to when it comes to cooking. You're still gonna you're still gonna need to uh, to watch and, and look for the signs of of what you're looking for. And I mean, it 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 does fall into the type of meat that you're purchasing, the uh, quality, the the consistency of the meat, the thickness of the meat that you actually purchased. Um, if, if we're talking like steaks, I mean, if you're purchasing a nice you know inch and a half steak or two inch steak, it's going to cook differently than if you're cook, cooking a nice thin steak. You know what I mean? And the cooker doesn't know that it's, it's yeah. not set up to do that. It, it's just not. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, I think, <clears throat> I think that's what I find um, is, is one of the more common. Um, I don't necessarily want to call it a mistake, but um, one of the more common things that sets people up for failure is, is when they go to the butcher um, not knowing how to order the the steaks, the chops, the ribs, or or whatever your cut of meat is, um, and and once once you can kind of get some experience there, you set yourself up for a, a lot better success. Um, knowing if you've got an inch and a half steak that you want at a medium rare, you've got a lot more play um, as far as that temperature goes than if your steak is a half an inch thick. I mean, by the time you get the grill marks and and some caramelization on the outside, you're you're at a at a medium well or well done because it's it's so thin. Yep. And I, I think one of the positive things of Instagram is, guys, bring those photos into your butcher. Show them what you want. They're they're not going to think you're weird. They're not going to be like, oh my god, this guy's bringing a photo. They're going to get excited. Like that's what they do with their lives. Like they get excited about that shit. Bring yeah. it in and be like, listen, can you get me this or do you have this? If you don't see it, like if you don't see it in the uh, you know, in the case, be like, hey, this is what I'm really looking for. Is there any way you can get it for me? Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more. And, and even going a step further than that, um, one of the greatest things that I, I look back at my days in the restaurant is we got everything meat wise uh, brought in as, as subprimal. So you're dealing with a bigger hunk of meat and then we would butcher it down further into whatever cut or size we wanted. Um and, and that's why I love shopping at Costco. I, I mean, I, I hear it from a lot of barbecue people that either go to Sam's Club or Costco because you can get the whole tenderloin. You can get the whole uh, rib, rib loin or uh, rib roast, and, and you can get a whole brisket as opposed to getting some small butchered up prepackaged um, piece of meat that's been sh- sitting on the shelf for a couple of days. Well, I mean, um, most grocery stores don't carry full packer briskets. Most grocery stores will carry the flat. Um, exactly. And the flats, I mean, it, you, if you cook it right, it'll be great. But if you don't, it's usually shoe leather. It's usually pretty, pretty not flavorful anyways. Um, the point is really where it's at. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I know it's, it's, it's kind of a balancing game, right? It's, it's always uh, you can't buy a whole uh, ribeye for, for you know, $200 at Costco because it's, it's too much meat and it's too expensive. Um, but I, I think some, some things that, uh, if you're lucky enough to have some of the cool, uh, cooking toys, um, to kind of skirt your way around that is, um, like I have a vacuum sealer and a sous vide um, and, and a sous vide, but the, the vacuum sealer, I, I, I always recommend to anybody and everybody, um, because it just, it prolongs the shelf life of anything. Um, I, I'll buy like the really good Parmesan Reggiano cheese from Costco and it's, it's actually from Italy. It's the real stuff. 
and then I vacuum seal it in the last six months in my fridge without, you know, any, any signs of going bad or different flavor. If I didn't have that, um, you know, I, I would only expect like a couple weeks, uh, once I, once I break that seal. Um, I would, so I definitely agree with you on that. That is a, that is a fantastic investment to make. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's where I say, even before you get to the circulator, um, it's, it's a great place to start just because it's, it's going to, it's an investment at the beginning, but it, it, it helps your overall food budget if you can save stuff like that. I mean, I'll buy a whole side of salmon at Costco, break it down into fillets, individually uh, vacuum seal each one, and then freeze them all. And it'll, it'll last for a, a long time. And you don't have to worry about freezer burn as much because of, uh, you know, you, you took all the air out um, when you vacuum sealed it. So I, I can't recommend it enough to anybody that wants to start getting into just cooking from home as much as you can and cooking well. Um, but then certainly it leads into the, into the sous vide and doing it on a budget. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, dude, a, it, they're not even that expensive anymore. To be honest, they're not. If you, if you, if you're, if you're a Costco member, I think we picked up our our uh, our vacuum sealer. I think it was like a hundred and twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah, that you, sounds about right. And if you think about it, like let's just let let's just make it easy, right? It was a hundred and twenty bucks. How much is the cheese that you pick up from Costco? Uh, it's I think the Parmesan. It's about nine dollars for for a pound. Okay, nine dollars for a pound, right? So if you add that up, if you're like, listen. I'm, if you were going through, a, like, you were buying it and basically going through a pound a month, but you were throwing away, like, half a pound, you're throwing away, like, six bucks, you know, four and a half bucks a month, right? Yeah, right. That shit adds up quickly because it's not just that that you're throwing away. It adds up through all the other foods that you're using and that you're throwing away. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, you factor in the other side, so if, if you don't go that route... And you're going the route of, well, I'll just buy a smaller portion at, at your local grocery store. Um, most of the time, it's it's pre-shredded, pre-sliced, um, pre-shaved um, Parmesan cheese that you're getting from the from the deli counter. And it still tastes good, but anytime you're you're at introducing more oxygen to it, it's gonna it's gonna lose its flavor quicker. Yep. And somebody touched that. Whether you know, this can go back to the butcher too. Anytime somebody touches food. You have Price to factor in the labor, right? And so, so you're talking about like, okay, instead of buying a pound of Parmesan at one time and vacuum sealing it and saving it, I'm going to buy two ounces because I only need it for this thing. But it still might be four and a half bucks for two ounces. Yep. So then, like, then you factor in the nine dollars that you spend for the pound. If you can preserve that with the vacuum sealing, then you're just you're so far ahead in that regard. Yeah. Anytime you're able to buy in bulk, you're able to drop your price. And then you, you know, I brought up the CV because I thought that's the route you were going to go there. But it, sure. it, it's so true. Like, a the vacuum sealer helps when you CV, but uh, a CV is another beautiful thing that you can add to your to your uh, you know your gadgets. You know, you CV yeah. a steak for I don't know six hours, seven hours, and then throw that on the cooker for. 45 seconds aside and you got one of the best steaks you'll ever have in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, since the day I came here, I couldn't, uh, couldn't rave about it more. And I got, uh, most everybody into it. Um, 
it, it opens up so many different doors. Um, you can take a filet mignon and sous vide it for 45 minutes just to bring the temperature up to a medium rare or wherever you like your steak, honestly. Um, and then just, yeah, get the sear marks or put it in a pan and, and get that caramelization on the outside. Um, it takes away that guesswork. Not everybody can, can temp a steak by touch and feel. Uh, that takes a lot of time and practice. And then anytime you poke it with a thermometer, you're, you know, you're, and then you pull the thermometer out, then you're letting uh, the, the juice kind of escape out that spout, yep. uh, poke the hole in. And um, so, so circulating will certainly take the guesswork out. But then you, you, you take that same concept and you, you take it to like a chuck roast, you know, go buy a chuck roast for so cheap at the, at the butcher, slice it into steaks and put it in the circulator overnight for, you know, 24 hours at, uh, you know, 145 or 165, depending on how you like it. And it'll break down a lot of that toughness and a lot of the tissue. And all of a sudden it's almost like you're eating ribeye, but you paid for a chuck roast. So let, let me ask you this question. If you've done like your opinion on this, because it's something that me and uh, my cooking buddies talk about, and it's something that I do, and I feel comfortable doing it for myself uh, because I'm eating the product. Um, when I sell product, I don't do this, uh, but when I when I cook at home, it's a little bit different because I know that I'm doing it on on my own. I know the product that I'm using is is good high end product, and I'm not gonna I'm not worried about it. But I tend to go longer at lower at lower temperatures sure just so i can break down that product a little bit further and I, i've yeah. never had a problem with it i know some people freak out and they're like well that's not a safe cooking temperature and technically yes it's not a safe temperature to keep food at but you're also immersed you know in a water bath where there's no room for anything to really grow right um i think that's the that's the key i i um, I used to get that question a lot, and so I, I try to do a lot of research about it. Um, and they always call it the the danger zone, right? The yep. temperature between 40 and 140, um, if you leave things out at that temperature. And when we're talking about a medium-rare steak, you're talking about 135. So it's like, okay, if you cook something at 135 for longer than an hour, aren't you sitting right in the danger zone? But I think the, the two main things to, to look at, though, is like you mentioned, it's a circulator. The water's moving. Um, it's not sitting still. Um, so if you think about uh, like your your local pond versus your local river, yep. the rivers so stuff doesn't grow because it doesn't allow to sit still. And uh, in, in your pond, you get all the algae and the the buildup uh, because it's just sitting stagnant. So it's the same principle there. And then just on top of that, uh, the danger zone is is put in place for for good reason uh, when you're talking about leaving things out. But um, temperature is not the only thing that kills bacteria. It's also time. Uh, so when you're talking about like going lower for a longer amount of time, um, you know, I don't know the exact ratio um, off the top of my head, but going for a longer amount of time will also kill that bacteria if there is any. But usually uh, bacteria just doesn't have a chance to grow because you've got it vacuum sealed and you've got it in a circulator where water's constantly moving. Exactly. Which uh, that that's kind of my my thoughts on it. And that that's my outlook on it is that. There's it water's constantly circulating. There's no room for it to grow. It's vacuum sealed. It it's in there and it's just going to go. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I mean, I, I'm sure, um, you've experienced it yourself, uh, having cooked sous vide. It, it just opens up so many different doors depending on the type of meat or type of cut that you have. 
Um, I, I do all kinds of fun things with, with the pork shoulders and, and just being able to do shredded meat without having to sit there and constantly monitor it for 12 hours like you would on a smoker. Um, you can just put it in your, your vacuum sealed bag and then you can add flavors to it, whether it's the soy sauce or some sort of glaze or marinade that you, you normally just, you don't have that opportunity because when you're, when you're talking about cooking it in uh, a different vessel, whether it's a pan or grill or a smoker or something like that, a lot of that stuff isn't going to sit there on it. It's going to just kind of fall off as it gets heated up. Yep. I think, I think it's, I think the sous vide is, it's an, it's an awesome um, accessory. It is an awesome add-on to anyone's uh, cooking arsenal. Yeah, and, and that's the way I try to tell people, you know, again, it goes back to the $7,000 grill. It's not going to instantly make things easy for you and make you the best chef, um, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to offer you some unique uh, opportunities to maybe better control uh, your cooking. Um, but you can use it hand in hand with, I, I mean, that's why I think it's so perfect for grilling is, is when you talk about steaks, it goes back to, well, you know, I like my steak medium rare, but the person next to me likes it medium. You, you can set that temperature difference and, and know with a, with precise uh, accuracy that, that you're getting it at that temperature and, and not just guessing because, you know, I, I felt it, it feels done. I think people also, um, and the, in my experience, what I've noticed is, I can actually get people to eat rarer steaks with sous vide than I can if you just cook them on a on a grill. Yeah, um, they're almost more open to it. Yeah, you know, I I guess um, I haven't run into that too much. Mostly, I think it's because by now most people just trust me and, and will eat whatever I feed them, no matter what I tell them. It is, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think you're right that um, because you can kind of walk them through like almost scientifically to say like, no, I know exactly what temperature this is. Um, they, they feel a little bit more confident that, oh, okay. Like, you know, that, that makes sense. Um, I, I feel a little bit more confident that, that, you know, what you're talking about, um, than just saying like, oh yeah, you know, I, I see that looks really red. Are you sure that's done? Um, certainly, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people still have those reservations, but, um, you know, I mean, any, any, uh, true steak lover will uh will certainly agree that it's uh kind of a crime to go above medium but medium rare kind of kind of around those parts yep is the best to be that is I, I i very much agree with you on that very very much agree now and i think the misconception there too is um you know I, I always try and convince people it's not blood that you're seeing it's 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 not blood it's it's the, yeah the it's the protein in the in the cells that, that turns it red with the oxygen. Yep, that is that's a very difficult um, difficult thing to explain to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's my question to you guys: when when a customer calls in, how do you guys kind of take that call? How do you funnel that call? In the sense of, okay, I'm calling in. I'm like, listen, I want to buy a cooker. I have no idea what I want. What are the steps that you kind of use to guide them to the correct cooker and the correct accessories and the correct stuff that you guys are that you guys are kind of providing them? Obviously, they're very interested. They've probably been on the website, but they 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 want to answer some or ask some questions, or they just really don't know what they want. So, what are what are the ways you kind of guide them? 
Yeah, I think I think that's the interesting part about being online um, is is our customers is a little unique. Uh, more often than not, they've done their research beforehand, um, and that's what kind of leads to the call is they're already leaning a direction, and they just want to make sure that the questions they have can be answered, and, and it, it gives them the confidence they need to know that this is the right product. But let's say if, if they don't know anything, they, they just, I want to buy a grill. I, I see your uh, see your phone number. I, I called you up. Um, again, I think that's another unique thing about us is um, – we just like to think of ourselves as the local barbecue store, the local grill store that you would have down the street. It's just the Online. platform. Yeah, it's just you, you call us instead instead of going down the street. You're just calling us. It's a little bit more convenient. Um, but you're, you're talking to the same people when you call in. And our sales team, uh, the best thing about them is they're all just as interested and passionate about cooking as I am. Um, so they're all, all, always trying to ask me questions or always trying to, to balance things off of me. But then they go home and they try it themselves. So, so they're putting themselves in the customer's shoes, not because they want to or have to, or I shouldn't say not because they have to, but because they want to. It's fun. Mikey, um, it's actually encouraged for, for the for product specialists and employees uh, of Kick-Ass Grills and Spotix to actually buy product, take home product, test it out. Uh, you know, in their own confidence, you know, in, in their own home, just so if they fail, they fail, but it's, it's them eating it or, you know, feeding it to their family. So, you know, it's to Adam's point, you know, we, we really, we really open ourselves up. We listen to the customers or the, you know, the callers and try to understand what their goals, what their objectives are, how many people they're cooking for, what they're usually, you know, uh, throwing on the grill or throwing in the smoker, you know, really, you know, trying to craft uh, and, and make, you know, make, you know, make the help assist in, in making the right buying decision and purchasing decision because it's it's not a hundred dollar kettle smoker. You know, it's it's something much much more grandiose than that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just I think it's I think it's a very cool way of what you guys just said because that really does show that you obviously you guys really care about the customer, you care about the product that you're pushing out, and it, it it's very reassuring because a lot of stuff is going to online, and yes, people are doing research. But it's very difficult sometimes when you're when you're online and you look at stuff and you're like, listen, I've been researching this grill. I think it's perfect for me. And then you end up getting it and you're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. And, and to me, I mean, we hear from from a handful of customers, um, you know, frequently that uh, they called XYZ store and, and they tried to kind of push them towards one direction or the other. And I think that's the best thing that that. Um, our entire sales team does is we, we just listen to what they're saying and we don't try and steer them necessarily one direction or the other until they give us enough information to say, well, it sounds to me like you're looking for this rather than saying, hey, we get really good margins on these or, you know, this is our, our preferred partner. So we're going to push this product line. Um, that, that's the value of being able to carry as many brands as we do is we just say, hey, we think that this product fits what you're talking about rather than saying, well, this is my favorite, and I think it fits uh, what you're talking about. Um, I, I think grilling is, is not so much a one-size-fits-all. It's, it's all catered to, to the exact person. I like you, Mikey, as an, as an enthusiast who's cooked on several different, you know, vessels and things like that, you've got, a, you've got an applied, uh, you know, theory behind everything, and, and that's, that's honestly what we encourage. Uh, and obviously with Adam's knowledge and, and professionalism in, in this category you know we obviously uh you know pull on his ear 
quite often about things when we're, you know, looking for information or, uh, or facts. But, um, like I said, it's just, it's an, it's encouraged to, to take home product, to, to buy product from us and, and, uh, you know, and, and then use it. I think, I mean, I think that's super cool in the sense, like if, if you're buying it and you're using it at, at, um, you know, any, any person that's used that product and been like, listen, I've used it. I know kind of what it does. Here's been my experience with it. I think that yep. goes a long way to the consumer. At least personally, I think that goes a long way with the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, it's, it's just it's that personal experience to to know the the pros and cons because um, like it or not, there's no perfect grill out there. Everybody tries, but uh, there's there's always going to be some things that one grill is better at than another one. Um, so it's just trying to kind of balance out um, what's most important to the particular customer. And then that that is just informed by our sales team having been home and said, yeah, you know, I went home and cooked a steak on this and it was, you know, my family said it was the best I've ever had. Or, um, you know, I, I tried to maybe do this and it didn't work out quite so well as it did on this other particular grill. Um, and then, I mean, we, we get all kinds of customers that um, – are probably just like the listeners of your show that that just I don't mean to use this pun so poorly but eat up all the barbecue talk um, so they just want to ask questions and have conversations I mean I have I have a dedicated customer uh, that gosh she, I think during the summer he probably calls me once a week to check in and, and ask me things um, he he's bought like probably four grills from us and, and a circulator and a, a commercial level vacuum sealer because um, one, he's got the means, but two, he's, he's just so into it that that's, that's what he wants to do. And, and that's what, how he wants to spend his money. Um, More power to him. Yeah, no, absolutely. We wish everybody was like him, but um, I mean, it, it's, we, we find kind of his enthusiasm to be, uh, to be similar among our customers at the end of the day, they, they want to feed their families and they want to be proud of, of what they're, what they're uh, cooking in their backyard. And um, I, I think that's, that's pretty universal for, for anybody that really gets into barbecue. I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, I, I, I do agree with you. People just want, you know, you want to feed your family, you want to have a good time and you want to do, do everything you possibly can to, I mean, to make the best product that you can. Yeah. And then not to mention, I mean, you throw in like, it's always fun to see uh, see everybody that we work with, the, the Snapchats, the social media of what they're doing on the weekend. You know, they're, they're firing up their pellet smoker and, and cooking for their, their girlfriend or uh, kids or whoever. Um, and it's, it's just it's it's fun to know. Like, I mean, it's 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 more than just, uh, you know, uh, it's more than just sales for a lot of us. It's it's also it's, it's the lifestyle. We, we enjoy it just as much as, as our customers do. And. Um, again, it just goes back to why we, we named our company the way we did with the kick-ass grills. It's, we, we want to sell something to a customer that they're going to go home and, and be happy with because we know if we took it home, we'd be happy with it too. And that, I mean, that's super powerful. That really is. Um, I want to say thank you for coming on the podcast, hanging out with us, chatting barbecue and having a good time guys. Um, once again, if you guys use man meat 10, um, that's going to save you 10% at kick-ass 
grills.com. So make sure you go check that out and use that promo code. Uh, guys, I want to say thank you, like I said, for coming on the podcast, hanging out with us. So the way I kind of like ending the podcast is um, I usually say if you could give give if you could go back to your you know the beginning of your career. Uh, your cooking career and give yourself three tips, what would those three tips be? I'm going to change it a little bit differently for you guys. If you had to give a new barbecuer three tips on purchasing a cooker, what would those three tips be? What should they look for? Um, I mean, ideally you're looking for quality. So the, the material, um, something that uh, you don't have to buy every couple of years or even every season, uh, like you alluded to, the, the quality will go a long ways um, from a material aspect. Um, gosh, beyond that, I think you want to look for something that, um, again, suits your needs. Um, I don't think you want to end up with something that is great at um, – cooking extremely high temperatures when you're not uh, comfortable cooking at such high temperatures or you're more interested in low and slow, you certainly don't need something like an infrared grill. So I think, I think paying attention to what your ultimate needs are. Um, and then the last thing is just practice and trial and error. Um, you just got to stick at it. And um, I think the best thing about having a hobby like barbecue is Unless you fail so miserably that it's inedible, even when you fail and it's like, okay, this isn't great, it's a little chewy, or um, maybe the flavor's just not right, it's still pretty decent, and you're still eating food. So it could be a lot worse, and um, you, you just you take those experiences, and you just learn from them, and you, you get better and better at it uh, to the point where, I mean, after, after uh, time and time again of, of practicing and, and, and getting better, um, I mean, you're producing stuff that, you know, you don't even want to go to a restaurant anymore because it's like, no, I make it better. That is, that is very, very true. Guys, I want to say thank you so much for uh, for coming on the podcast. If you can do me one last favor, tell everyone where they can follow you guys' journey on the Internet and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so uh, thanks again, Mikey, for having us on. We uh, visit us uh, all day, every day, kickassgirls.com. Uh, product specialists are standing by. Uh, as Mikey alluded to, we're available on Instagram, we're on Facebook, um, uh, Twitter, you name it, we're there. Uh, happy to answer any questions, uh, have conversations like today, uh, any any time of the day. Man, you, thank you so much, guys, and you guys have a great night, and uh, hopefully we see you guys soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mikey. Thank you, sir.